You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Crossover Wednesday here on the Lockdown NFL Network, and we're going to be talking about the Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans who meet up this Sunday, 11 o'clock a.m. Mountain Time, 1 p.m. Central Time kickoff on the road in Houston. I'm Cody Rourke, host of Lockdown Broncos, joined alongside today by Cody Davis, one of the hosts over there, Locked On Texans. Cody, thank you for joining me, man. I'm excited to be talking about this matchup with you breaking things down. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, Cody. I love Crossover Wednesdays because not only do you get a chance to talk to another host of the Locked On community, but you get an opportunity to talk about another team. And that's what I love so much about Crossover Wednesdays. So in this matchup, too, we're going to be talking about the Broncos. We're going to be talking about the Texans all in a bit. But, uh, you know, we're going to start things off here taking a look at the Broncos side of things. So, Cody, what do you got for me when it comes to this Texans team against this Broncos team? What do I have for you? I have quite a bit of, you know, questions for you guys. You know, first and foremost, what is going on with the quarterback situation? You know, it's been a rocky season for you guys so far. You know, you started out the season with Joe Flacco. Um, he, he got hurt. Then you had Brandon Allen, who played so poorly the last three game, games they actually benched him and now you guys are with Drew Locke now I di- unfortunately I did not get a chance to watch um the game where you guys beat the Chargers last week but you know from what I saw from the highlight it seemed like Locke was a pretty good um fit for you guys yeah, you know, the Broncos in the quarterback position, it's been a carousel, my friend. I, I tell you that. It's been one of the biggest stories around the NFL since Peyton Manning retired. Uh, yeah, they're going to be going with Drew Locke here. They're going to be going with their rookie second-round pick the rest of the way. The Broncos very uh, pleased with what they've had from him. They view him as a potential quarterback of the future. So last week against the Chargers, you saw the debut of maybe what could be with Drew Locke. They kind of opened things up a little bit in the first quarter. He took a couple shots. He found Cortland Sutton twice for a touchdown uh, against the Chargers in their secondary uh, but outside of that then they kind of went away with not having him throw the ball more so when it comes to the quarterback position how it pertains to this matchup you could probably expect to see Drew Locke obviously under center uh, obviously in the shotgun but more you know more importantly he's going to be the one they're going to open it up a little bit for him they're going to allow him to throw a lot more this week against the Houston Texans What's the latest on Joe Flacco? You know, I know he, you know, before he he got hurt, I know he was not having the best season. Um, It seemed like he hasn't been that good ever since he won the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens a few years ago. But um, just, just what's the latest on Flacco? And if Flacco has the opportunity, let's say, to come back the last two games of the regular season, would you rather see the Broncos stick with Locke or would you like to see them, you know, use Joe Flacco if he's able to come back? Well, Joe Flacco, unfortunately, won't be able to come back for the Broncos this year. He's been placed on injured reserve. And so what that means for him, likely he's taken his last snap as a quarterback Mm -hmm. in Denver. The Broncos fluctuated some of his cap space around to make it a little bit more team friendly. If they cut him, they'll incur a little bit of a dead cap hit. But it will free up around $20 million in cap space for the Broncos heading into the offseason for next year. So that would be a good move for the Broncos. Likely Joe Flacco, from what I've been told, 
This will be his final time in Denver. They'll probably look to release him following the season. So that'll free up some space there. But the Broncos, they are all in on going young. They're going in with Locke, and they're going to get an evaluation in these next four games, these final four games for the Broncos, on what they need to do going into the NFL draft come April heading into this next season. Mm. You know that that's actually news because I I I, I kind of figured he was done for the season, but I I wasn't sure if he was done in Denver. As a matter of fact, but you know, sticking with Locke in the next year or so, would you rather see the Denver Broncos stick with them, or would you like to see them draft another quarterback? You know, that's a very good question because right now everything is a possibility. Everything is on the table. With Drew Locke being in a quarterback now and having some of the moxie, uh, you know, the energy that was absolutely contagious for the entire team in last Sunday's win, the, the players love Drew Locke. All his teammates love mm-hmm. him. Uh, you know, for for me as a guy that used to play, I loved having an energetic quarterback. It made me motivated. It made me excited to go out there and do my job on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously, if he was throwing to me on the offensive side of the ball, I love that as well. And so far, the Broncos have that dynamic with Locke. Now, however, you have to look at it from the standpoint, if Locke is not the guy, which, you know, is still a possibility, despite all the hype, despite all the excitement, if he ends up, you know, pivoting out and struggling through these next four games and doesn't show any progression or show any ch- you know, characteristics that maybe sell the Broncos on, hey, maybe, you know, maybe he can be the guy for the next 10 to 15 years to combat Patrick Mahomes and AFC West. If they're not sold on that, then they got to go quarterback in this year's draft because quarterback is a priority until it's not. And until that answer is solved definitively for the Broncos, everything is on the table. You mentioned that Denver um, has the idea of staying young. I actually want to talk about one of my favorite players in the league right now. He's in the backfield, and to me, he can possibly be one of the best running backs in the next couple of years. That guy's Philip Lindsay. What is it that makes Philip Lindsay so special? Because he is a guy, me and John talked about it on our show on yesterday. He is a guy that I feel can create a problem for the Houston Texans um, front seven because, you know, ever since J.J. Watt has been down, yes, they play good against the New England Patriots, but we are still not sold on how great that front seven can be. Philip Lindsay is a great young prospect. You know, last year he made the the Pro Bowl. What makes him such a special player? Well, you know, I'd say he's got a chip on his shoulder. Being an undrafted free agent, you know, he came into the league trying to prove that, you know, hey, somebody should have picked me up in the NFL draft, either rounds one through seven. He should have been drafted. He feels that way. Uh, And so for him, it's overcoming that notion. So he plays with a chip on his shoulder. And ironically, I mean, when these two teams met last year, Cody, the fact is, you know, Philip Lindsay got introduced uh, to the Houston Texans because of former Houston Texan, now Denver Bronco, Kareem Jackson had a tremendous mm-hmm. hit on a when he, they were playing cover two, came up and popped him. Now they're teammates. But, uh, you know, what makes Philip Lindsay dynamic is not only is he fast, but he makes decisions very quickly. I mean, there's times where, you know, the pocket will collapse or the A or the B gap will kind of close down a little bit. He'll put his foot in the dirt, step back, find a little opening, and he'll take a little crease. He'll get skinny. He'll fit in sideways, and he'll get an extra two to three yards. He's a guy that if you don't account for him, if you don't wrap him up, He's going to keep going despite the fact that he's not the biggest power back, but he's a speed back that is elusive. He can make one step, one quick cut, and he can be gone in the moment of, you know, the blink of an eye because the fact is if your defense can't account for him, 
off the edge or even inside. He can bounce it and make guys miss, and he can go to daylight on that. So, you know, that's what makes Philip Lindsay really dangerous. And also, he's a threat out of the backfield as a potential receiving option for the Broncos. And we may see a little bit more of that this week against the Texans because the Broncos haven't done too much of that with Drew Locke and with Philip Lindsay so far. Um, sticking with Philip Lindsay, you know, me and John, after we got off the air on our show on yesterday, you know, we was actually talking about Philip Lindsay yesterday. And we actually had a little bit of an argument because I say within the next two, three years, I do believe he can be a top five running back in this league. I know he isn't Saquon Barkley, but do you agree with that statement or do you lean more towards John um, by saying, you know, he might not be top five, but he will always be, you know, top 10 hovering around nine or 10. You know, that's a great question. It's hard to really pinpoint. I think he could be a top five tailback in this league based on what we look at. You know, a lot of people tend to look at the running back position and it's based on how many rushing yards you get. But I think the value that we really have to measure with a running back is can he be solid in pass protection? Can he be an all purpose back where he can hurt you with his legs on the ground and hurt you with his hands out of the backfield as a receiver? Those are the things I look at. Philip Lindsay possesses those characteristics. He's a tough, gritty guy. He's always John and defensive players. You know, he loves that chatter. He welcomes contact. I, I think Philip Lindsay can be a top five back in the National Football League. And when you take a look at some other backs, you know, you mentioned Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara, you know, some of the top backs right now in the, the NFL. Though, you know, Barkley's not having a great year, but he's still plugging away. He's a big physical guy. It, it really depends on the supporting cast around you. I think the Broncos are building that. They're building a supporting cast that can support a strong run game with Philip Lindsay, led by him, and of course, Royce Freeman. I absolutely think he can be a top five back is he a top five back right now I don't think so but I think he could be a top 10 back as we speak yeah most definitely you know that's that's what I was I was um hitting at with John on yesterday you know that you know give it the next two years that he can really be a top five back in this league um one thing I do love about the Denver Broncos you guys have a lot of good young talent staying on the offensive side of the ball you guys have a wide receiver that I'm really interested in it interested in and that's Cortland uh what makes Cortland special because um if you guys get a quarterback to go along with Cortland and go along with Philip Lindsay, you guys can really be a potential threat within the next two years. Yeah, that's the Broncos' hope. And, you know, they, they got a couple pieces there. They got the receiver. They got the running back. They just got to find solidarity at the quarterback position. You know, when you take a look at Cortland Sutton, he's got 906 yards receiving. He's got about three more yards receiving than DeAndre Hopkins currently does. And he's got 54 receptions in comparison to the stark difference that DeAndre Hopkins has. You take a look at that. It's kind of scary thinking that, you know, he is a big play type guy. Where I look at the balance between these two guys, the fact that Cortland Sutton right now is the primary receiving threat because behind him, it's a tight end, Noah Fant, at 379 yards. So the Broncos got to do more to spread the ball out, but certainly throwing those big passes down, down the field to Cortland Sutton, who, you know, if you've seen the highlights, you mentioned you watched the highlights of the game, one-handed catches in the end zone, the deep ball. That's the favorite thing right now. And, you know, like I said, if Locke can piece it together and they can find consistent rhythm, it's going to be scary when it comes to Cortland Sutton, who is a guy out of Texas, obviously played his time down there at SMU. Uh, big play, fun guy to watch. And I, I tell you what, you know, you, you're rooting for a good guy there. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, like I say, you guys have a lot of young talent and it's very interesting to see, you know, whenever you guys get the quarterback situation taken care of, you know, is it safe to say that Brandon Allen is not the answer? Yeah, you know, Brandon Allen was, you know, they brought him in from the preseason play that he uh, put on during, you know, the preseason. He he looked relatively well with the Which Los Angeles it, it Rams. It looked good, by yes. the way. It looked really good. 
Well, and you know, the thing too, the three games that he'd played, he was auditioning for to be the potential backup for the Broncos. Now, I don't know if they're quite sold on him being the backup behind a guy like Drew Locke. You know, you have Brett Rippon on the practice squad. The Broncos, they also worked out Tyree Jackson, who was drafted this year uh, out of Buffalo. So, you know, they were taking a look at him and tryout. So I don't know. That that, that move kind of tells me they may be looking for the backup quarterback position uh, right now, and they might not be sold on Brandon Allen. But, you know, you got to applaud Brandon Allen coming in against the Cleveland Browns moving the ball and getting them a win. He was effective there, but the next two games he struggled against Minnesota and he struggled against the Buffalo Bills. And and that's all she wrote because the Broncos wanted to go with the young guy and Drew Locke to see what they have. Speaking of young guys, let's switch over to the other side of the ball. I'm talking about defense. And of course, at the top of the list is um, Von Miller. Now, Miller, for the first time, I believe, since 2013, he set out in the win against the Chargers because he was injured. Do you know his status going into the game? And if so, will we have to worry about Mr. Miller in, in, on, the, on defense come Sunday? Yeah, you know, when you think about where Von Miller is at with his career and obviously, you know, him getting a little bit older and dealing with a little bit of a knee injury, you have to worry about that. There's obviously some evident concern when it comes to that. Uh, But as of right now, he's questionable for Sunday's matchup against the Texans. Broncos head coach Vic Fangio noted that he thinks he can play against Deshaun Watson and the Broncos would certainly benefit from having that. But right now. It's questionable, and there is some concern based on what I've been told that you know he's waiting results on an MRI, and there's a chance he could miss the regular season the rest of the way. The you know these final four games, if it comes back, and there is some something in there that doesn't come back right. So waiting to hear back word on the MRI results, but as of right now, Vic Fangio believes that Von Miller can play on Sunday. Mm. What, what speaking of Von Miller, what is um going on with Mr. Miller? Because I remember it was closer to around the trade deadline. There was rumors that you know Denver had Von Miller on the trading block. Um, I believe his contract is up after you know this Von season. Miller this season. One of the things that I, I think is lost in the mix of everything else is the fact that you know he doesn't have the amount of sack production. I think that everybody was looking for, you know, you know, sitting at on the year where you have about six sacks, you know, everyone's going to say, well, Hey, what's going on with Von Miller. But going back on the game film, he's seeing a lot of action. He's seeing double teams. He's seeing triple teams. You know, you got the tight end, you got a tackle P- teams are putting tight ends next to the tackle. And they're also bringing the running back of the fullback outside to chip him. That's created a lot of opportunities for guys like Derek Wolf and Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, you know, Demarcus Walker times Malik Reed and Justin Hollins. The Broncos are relatively young at the positions outside of Von Miller. So while he hasn't had the statistical jump out that we've seen from him, he's still been very productive. Teams don't want to run it to his side because he is one of those guys that contains the edge relatively well. Sometimes he drops back in coverage, but outside of that, the Broncos They've been impressed. They love what they've seen with Von Miller. Is it the numbers that maybe Von Miller wants? No, but they believe that he can build with that over time. Sticking with Von Miller, you know, around the trade deadline, there was a lot of rumors going around that the um, Denver Broncos had was placing Von Miller, Von Miller on the trading block. So, one, can you just do a quick rundown to let us know if those rumors were true? And if so, what is the next step moving forward? Yeah, no, there's no truth at all to the Broncos wanting to trade Von Miller. I know there were a lot of reports that had come out. You know, Jason Lockenford was one guy that tried to stir up a little bit of controversy saying, you know, the Broncos are going to be looking at trading Von Miller. This was absolutely false. The source I spoke to within the Broncos organization laughed at the idea and said, look, the Broncos (laughs) have no plans, no idea. They haven't even thought about trading a guy like Von Miller. 
He is the superstar franchise player for the organization. And a lot of people wanted to speculate that just because the Oakland Raiders had traded Khalil Mack, you know, when John Gruden came in. That's not the case with the Broncos when Vic Fangio came in. They want to keep Vaughn here for the rest of his career. So really nothing on those lines there for the Broncos. He's got an option year coming up in 2020. Outside of that, Vaughn Miller is still a major part of the Broncos' plans. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you cleared those rumors up, you know, because when, when we was hearing those things, you know, I I got on the show and I was like, hmm, wonder if the Houston Texans can go after Von Miller. But then I thought about it. Yeah, the accent price, one, would be extremely high. And two, I highly doubt the Broncos would be uh, willing to just trade one of their best players in franchise history. Yeah, no, they wouldn't want to do that. And two, the cap hit they would incur by trading him would be massively not smart for business. So <laughs> thankfully, the Broncos uh, never entertain that idea. <clears throat> um, going from one team to another on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the Houston Texans side of things in the Houston Texans Denver Broncos match on Sunday. All right, Cody, I got a lot of questions here regarding this Houston Texans team, and I think you're the perfect type of guy that can answer these questions ahead of Sunday's matchup. Now, I think the evident thing, the Texans sitting at 8-4 and four in the year, to you, what has been the biggest difference with this Houston Texans team in 2019 in comparison to last year? Um, the biggest difference... Well, I would have to say is the offense only due to the fact that we have a wide receiver named Kenny Stills and another wide receiver named Will Fuller, who, by the way, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated players in this league. But he's always hurt. You never know when he's going to get hurt. But last year. Because we didn't have steals, because we didn't have Fuller, Deshaun Watson, nine times out of 10, his number one target was DeAndre Hopkins. And it makes sense given the fact that he's arguably, if not the best receiver in the game today. With those two on the field, it opens up the offense so much because now Deshaun Watson has has the ability to give it to three different targets. You mentioned earlier that um, your top receiver in Cortland has more reception yards than DeAndre Hopkins, but that's only due to the fact that Deshaun Watson has so many targets to throw with. It having steals and having Fuller just opened up the Texans offense to the point where if this team can stay healthy, especially looking at Will Fuller, they can arguably be one of the top offensive in the league. Oh, no doubt about it, too. You look at DeAndre Hopkins, 903 yards receiving. Will Fuller, 598. Kenny Steele's 461. You want to talk about balance? That's a pretty nice balance to have there. And, and speaking of the guy that's getting them the football, Deshaun Watson, he's emerged as a potential MVP candidate this season. For you, what has been the biggest step up in his level of play that has the Texans sitting at 8-4? and four? His decision-making by far. You know, the the his first two years, especially his rookie year, it seemed like, he was trying to do too much, um, especially in his second year. He held on to the ball so much. And it was like he was always trying to make a play out of nothing. And don't get me wrong. Down here in Houston, we love when he do that, especially when it seems like it's a dead play. He can run out of a sack, you know, throw the ball 35 yards. Next thing you know, he hit uh, one of his top receivers for a touchdown. And we just sit back looking like, dang, how the hell did he get that off? But 
his third year, you can see the improvements. Yes, he has still had a couple boneheaded mistakes. Like, come on, you 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 should have got rid of the ball, or you should have did that. But just his IQ, his overall decision making. The 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 number one game I would go to just to prove how much Deshaun Watson has just evolved is that game against the New England Patriots. You you, you look at his numbers. It's not you know, oh my God, this is um, MVP all-time numbers, but it was just his decision-making that I loved so much. He knew when to, he knew when to throw the ball away. When the Patriots was blissing, when it was in zone, when it was in man coverage, he knew how to pick apart the defense. And once again, it's just his overall IQ of the game that that has stood out to me the most. Well, and one thing, you know, I, hats off to Deshaun Watson because I tell you what, that New England Patriots defense is very aggressive. You have some really talented corners down there. Thought he did relatively well there. Uh, one area I want to talk to now is switching from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. Take a look at the Texans' defense. You know, they've certainly had their struggles this season with allowing teams to score. Addies in the red zone, they're the 31st ranked team in terms of red zone percentage against uh, opposing offenses defensively. Uh, they've given up a lot of yards on the year, and they've also played well against Tom Brady last season. What is the story of this Texan defense? They seem very up and down all across the board. <laughs> the story of the Texas defense, you you hit the nail right on the coffin. Up and down. You know, the, the, the year started with us giving away one of our best defensive players, Andrew Davion Clowney. And, you, you know, at first it seemed like the Texans were going to be okay because w- you had Whitney Merciless stepping up. Of course, you know, you still we still had J.J. Watt. Um, he was doing his thing. Then midway through the season, as always, J.J. Watt get hers right on schedule. And our front seven actually... Before the game against the Patriots, you look at our last game, I believe it was against the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm trying to remember who we played um, after the Ravens. I, I can't remember having a brain for it, but that that was actually a game we won. The the front seven did not look so well. Then, we, you know, we play against the Patriots and it's like, well, you know what's going to happen. And, you know, they end up playing one of the they end up playing like one of the best front sevens in the league. Then you take a look at the Texans secondary. My God, this has been one of the most confusing secondaries I've ever seen. And I'm not going to say too much because you take a look at the game like a like the Patriots, you can be fooled. If you haven't watched the Texans game all year long, you can honestly say, man, they have one of the best secondaries in the league. But then you look at a game like a, a, against the Ravens, you could say, man, they have one of the worst secondaries in the league. I don't want to give them too much credit because every time I got on the show and say, man, the secondary look good, we're trending in the right direction, they let me down the next game. And then I chew them out, and then they they they, they, they look like they're going to take off again. So it's just been a roller coaster of a ride, basically starting before the season with the whole Jadavion Clowney situation. Well, speaking of the secondary, too, former Denver Bronco Bradley Roby had himself a nice game on Sunday against Tom Brady, the Patriots. Now, a lot of it, he's been injured a majority of the good portion of the season. What do you think Roby has or could add to Houston in this matchup against his former team? Because, you know, he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder, probably the same way Kareem Jackson is going to be playing against the Texans this Sunday. Um, I would say, if anything, he... If he can give us the same type of production that he did in the Patriots game, I, I would call that a win. You know, but Bradley Roby, he has been one of the, 
how can I put put this most consistent player when it comes to the secondary? You know, at this at this stage in the season, we kind of know what to expect. Honestly, the game against the Patriots, he surprised us. But, you know, when the schedule came out, this was a game that I actually circled. I said, okay, if if he doesn't perform in none of these other games, I'm pretty sure, just like you say, he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder and he he's going to perform well on Sunday. So I'm looking for a big game for Roby. All right, last question I have for you here, Cody. What do you think the Texans' game plan will be against the Broncos' offense led by rookie Drew Locke? Obviously, you mentioned uh, Cortland Sutton being on the outside there. More likely, Roby will probably cover him. But you know, what do you think their game plan might be when they go against uh, a rookie who now they have at least one game tape on from the regular season? Well, that's kind of hard to say only due to the fact, like you say, um, there's only one game tape on him. And, and Drew Locke, all I can say is... The Texans going to have to prepare for him like they prepare for all the other quarterbacks. You know, we did a solid job on Tom Brady. Actually, we did a solid job on all the quarterbacks that we played outside of Lamar Jackson. But I mean, that guy's just on another level right now. But to be honest, I honestly do believe Romeo Cornell and that defense, they're probably going to focus more on trying to stop Philip Lindsay because this is a guy he could he could run you off the field if you if you don't come with the right with the right game plan. And I, and the Texans, they have had a hard time trying to stop the run game. So in my eyes, Romeo Cornell, I'm pretty sure they're going to have all eyes on deck on Phillip Lindsay. Well, I appreciate that, Cody, a lot. I'm looking forward to this matchup on Sunday. Broncos on the road to the Houston Texans. Texans hosting the Broncos, 11 o'clock a.m. Mountain Time kickoff, 1 p.m. Central Time kickoff for everybody keeping track at home. Actually, it's one o'clock Eastern time, not central time, one o'clock <laughs> Eastern time kickoff for the two hour time difference. There had a brain fart there, but looking forward to this matchup. I think it's going to be a tough, I think it's going to be a physical game for the Broncos. A lot of questions regarding them for the Texans, you know, can Deshaun Watson continue to ride the wave and can the Broncos find a counteract to maybe his dynamic play style plus the receiving threats that he has. So Cody, this has been a fun crossover episode talking with you and uh, where can Broncos fans listen to you guys or, or follow you guys on social media? Well, if you want to listen to Locked On Texans, please follow us at Locked On Texas on Twitter and Facebook. And if you want to listen to me individually, and I have a lot for you guys outside the Texans, I cover the Houston Rockets, UH basketball. You know, I I, I cover a lot of sports. So if you know you just want to get a little fix, um, follow me on Twitter. That's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore twenty four. And if you're a Texans fan, listen to this. You want to hear a little bit more information on the Broncos side of things. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL and also Locked On Broncos on your favorite podcast provider, wherever it's at. But this has been a fun crossover Wednesday over here at the Locked On NFL Network, Locked On Broncos, Locked On Texans. It's going to be a fun one. On Texas, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.